What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 92, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Fifth Man. The which Fifth has Man! nothing to do with The Third Man. I don't know if it has nothing to do. Yeah, basically it has nothing to do. Anyway, we're an independent podcast, friends. Uh, you can keep the thing independent by finding us on Patreon. We got a little Patreon-y thing going on. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, oh, yeah. The link is in the show notes. Those are the words there. I always put the link in the show notes now. I've I've, I've remembered to do that every time now, Zach. Woo-hoo. It's a habit. Uh, the support get a cookie. At, ooh. Uh, uh, <laughs> your it's an oatmeal raisin cookie. That's my favorite. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Which I recognize is like pretty much everybody else in the world hates oatmeal raisin, but I adore oatmeal raisin. Anyway, um, the support of the show on Patreon helps keep the thing going. Uh, the 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 goal, the stated goal is to help offset the cost of Zach's computing device. Uh, that is exactly how we're using the cash. Thank you so much to everybody who is contributing. It is yes. fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and a special thanks uh, to a couple of new patrons who joined us. Uh, Jacqueline and Nathan, thank you so much for joining our little our little club over there. Uh, if you want to hear your own little thanks, uh, you can do that uh, by hopping on over to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, as I said before. But uh, you say to yourself, dude, dude, I see what you're doing. You're doing that money grubber thing where like, you know, every podcast eventually ends up starting to ask and they end up they end up putting their hand out and be like, can you help support the show, please? And you are not going to be persuaded by that. But you're also thinking to yourself, now, wait a minute. Does this mean that? Does this mean that this wonderful content that I have come to love and cherish is going to be locked out? The answer is no. Uh, Though the patrons will get early access to all the stuff, we will be putting all the jazz on... uh (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, all, all of a sudden I just jazz? thought to myself, uh-huh. uh huh. <laughs> I just thought to myself, I'm like, you should have some smooth jazz. <laughs> anyway, oh, we can put uh huh all the stuff on the regular podcasty stuff. It's going to be on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and on podcast aggregators. Don't worry about it. It's just if you're part of the Patreon-y thing, you're going to be hearing it as soon as we post it. Whereas uh, on the main feed, we'll just be dropping it here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Um, as as makes sense whenever we're taking breaks things like that so and it's worth noting brent that yes. uh you know we have we do have now the first episode of the other side of the gate that's right up on the patreon feed uh right so it's right there in the uh the the comments uh or in the posts on patreon you can pick that up it is possible to take copy and paste that patreon uh, RSS feed and add that to your at least Apple podcast Apple aggregator. Yeah, I think um, most play nice. I remember one of the our, the aggregators that I was using didn't play nice, but I can't remember. But yeah, you can you can grab right. that feed. So so you just pick up that feed. If you need assistance with that, just email us and uh, we can help you through that. If you're having trouble as a patron listener to get that podcast, if there's something going on there, let us know that as well. So, um, so Zach, if a person wants to email you to let them know, let you know that they're having trouble getting getting that getting that RSS thing going, how how might they do that? Uh, well, so I am really glad that you asked that question, Brent, because we have. An email address. We do? 
Yes, we do. We have an email address. We have made it to the late 20th century. We have an email address. That address is walking through the stargate at gmail.com, which is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. Yep. So you, you type all of that into the to window on your email. And then you put in the subject Patreon Troubles or whatever. Uh-huh, you yeah, could put yeah. pickles and mayonnaise and that'd be fine too, but that'd be weird. You know, but whatever. Yeah, you it, do you. It, yeah, you do you. Exactly. And and then in the body there, you, you can email us about whatever you think is going on with previous episodes, future episodes, yep. uh, various conversations. We've had, I've had some great conversations on email with Ed and some other folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Uh, and if you've, of course, got those problems with those, those Patreon stuff, you can let us know that as well. And if you just want to chat speaking with us. Of, speaking of emails. Yes. Uh, Justin sent us an email and I haven't responded because I got swamped with stuff. But oh, yes. He, he made a very good and impassioned argument about why last week's episode is actually a pile of garbo. Well, I actually asked him. So I responded to Justin and I asked him to post that stuff on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And there has been some conversation there uh, on that topic. Um, it's it's um it's fascinating. It's it's a good it's a good perspective to look at, uh, and worthwhile to uh, see how that uh, changes our perspective on things. Absolutely. Um, yep. The best part, and I'll let you get back to your th- your normal spiel. But the best part, the best part about anything that is artistic, is how um, societies that engage with it at different points or different perspectives see the exact same thing slightly differently or very differently, mm-hmm. and understanding that contrast and the comparison it's just like middle school english compare and contrast well you know hey there's joy there so super super that was that was a great email i really liked engaging anyway so um and so if you want to know what justin says you can go to our facebook group walking through the stargate facebook group and search through that and you can find that and you can see what justin had to say uh to us and uh comment there your thoughts on that topic uh um, you know, I think some of what Justin is doing is looking at this with uh, 2020 eyes and not 20, oh, yeah. 2001 eyes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't Agreed. justify necessarily what was happening in 20, uh, 2001. Um, but, uh, you know, we have different perspectives of things now. And so that changes things. Um, um, uh, speaking yeah. of like slightly controversial hot takes, I was just thinking the other day. So... Ken Burns' The Civil War was aired in the late 80s, if I remember right. I think it was like 88 or 90, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, there is, and you know, I'm about to make some, not some friends here. Uh, there is a host of uh, scholarship that has been done with Civil War research, which kind of illuminates how we had rose-colored glasses on for a healthy amount of the scholarship that was done Um uh, in the especially especially in the postbellum era era, but you know, like for quite a while, historical analysis of the Civil War has been very kind uh, to a lot of the uh, actors in that mm-hmm. in that struggle, and we're kind of at a phase now societally where we're a little less um, we're a little less generous. 
So I literally had the thought the other day of like, I wonder if Ken Burns's The Civil War actually stands up to scrutiny now. And again, it has everything to do with 2020 eyes, right? Like, yeah, society's society's changed and some people are fine with that and some people are not. And how would a review of that late 80s Civil War research, which is excellently done, um, how might it stand up to scrutiny now? So yeah. anyway, yeah. So, so you know, my vein. final comment on on last week's episode uh, regarding Justin's post uh, mm-hmm. is: I don't believe that the writers of that episode intended anything nefarious or or um, vile in their uh, portrayal of things. But that doesn't sure. mean that that's where they didn't land. In, in or, intent versus impact. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, an impacts and, change. You know, you're absolutely right. And, and of course, when we are doing our analyses of things, it is important to look at both, to look yep. at what was intended and what actually happened and how the what actually happened can change the perspective that can change over time. So you got it. All right. You got it. So uh, you can also talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard left turn. No, it's all good. Hey, friends, you can email us and this happened and you can go to Facebook and that happened. Yeah. And then there's Uh, Twitter. (laughs) And then there's Twitter. (laughs) Um, And, you know, these types of conversations can certainly happen on Twitter. Um, Yeah, but they don't. (laughs) You know. uh, Yeah. So anyway, you can still find us on Twitter. Um, That's right. If you follow us on Twitter, you will get uh, as close to immediate uh, notification that we have dropped the podcast because Brent is the one who puts those podcasts on the RSS feeds. How it goes. And Brent is the one who basically (laughs) runs the Twitter account. So that's where you find that information. That's, uh, yeah, I'll (laughs) let you in on a secret. I mix it, I post it, I then take the link, I go to Twitter. <laughs> I try to yes. find something amusing to say about it, and I drop it there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the workflow. <laughs> oh, so, um, and of course, uh, we have the Patreon. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. things that we do on the Patreon is uh, voting for rewatches, recounts for, yeah. for episodes. Uh, and Brent, we are getting close to one of them. Uh, so yeah. here is our tally as it yeah. stands as of this moment right now. Emancipation okay. has one vote. Mm-hmm. Thor's Chariot has five <laughs> votes. Mm-hmm. Touchstone has two. Mm-hmm. A Matter of mm-hmm. Time has 12. <gasps> Ooh. And that's the one that's getting really, really close. Uh-huh. Uh, Forever in a Day has two. 100 Days mm-hmm. has two. Tangent mm-hmm. has three. 2010 mm-hmm. has five. So those are oh, our vote yeah. tallies as they are right now. Um, as I mentioned, uh, A Matter of Time is uh, coming close to the possibility of getting a rewatch. Yeah. Um, uh, which means that uh, you are invited to, especially for those of you who uh, voted for that, who thought this was important for a rewatch, uh, to uh, let us know what your questions, comments, thoughts were on that episode. Uh, give us something that we can hold on to as we rewatch that to give us a new mm-hmm. perspective of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just looking at it. We ranked that a two and a three, you and me, respective. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, we didn't think in the first watch especially highly of that episode. Nope. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so if there is something there that needs our rewatch, give us a chance to to hang our hat on something uh, new with that episode or your perspective. Yes. So go ahead and do that. Email us uh, with that information. Uh, you can post it on uh, a Patreon as well for those of you who have access there. Um, yeah. 
So speaking of like that kind of like banter, I'm just kind of realizing. So one of the other things that we are hoping to get off of the ground in the new year, uh, right around when we we, uh, hit episode 100, because it's coming up, friends. It is. It's right around the corner. Um, we wanna we we're, we're gonna we're gonna get ourselves a fancy website. We're gonna finally get that thing uh, done. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna actually make it happen. And I mentioned last time that you know it's probably gonna be like many of the things that we do where we kind of get it going and it's gonna be a little slow and then it's gonna kind of pick up some steam as we figure out what we want to do. Uh, the thought just occurs to me, Zach, that um, uh, of the content that we can put up on that website is also not only like you know little blurbs when episodes drop or things like that, like because that's normal. Um, but also, uh, that could be a great way to capture some of the thoughts around these episode rewatches, uh, and also to kind of put some text based stuff out there, uh, after we're done with a rewatch, just to sort of say, Hey, you know, these were the things that we had discussed Indeed. on the rewatch that was, that were different or that, uh, that was kind of unique. Anyway, it was, it just, it just literally crossed my mind just now. <clears throat> ah, well. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that we're going to do. We're going to do a website. Woo. There are a lot of things you can do with the website, and we are going to do them all. We're, well, we're, maybe not all of them. We're going to do every single one of the things that we do. Every one of them. How, how tautological of you, Brent? Uh, you know, it's, if, if, if I am nothing, shoot, I was going to try to make an ontology joke, but I only half remember what the definition of ontology is. It's, it's knowing what you know, or like, how no, do you so, know? So, so I said tautology. Which is the which, definition of what is, is it, like, is. Yeah, describing something that is what it is. I yes. Mean, that, that's tautological. <laughs> yes. Uh, ontology is the state of being. State so, of being. You know, yeah. <clears throat> Which is a little well, bit Well, ontologically speaking, the website isn't there yet. That is true. Yes. But it's coming. And therefore, uh, it is there because it is in... It, it is, it, it, what is a website except for a manifestation of idea? Ooh. So the ideas aren't there, but it hasn't been... Mani- are there, but the manifestation hasn't come yet. It, and in another way of thinking, indeed, it is there because the manifestation of ideas is happening in this very framework of conversation. Therefore, Ooh. ontologically speaking, it exists. Oh, wow. Now we're getting into something very deeply philosophical. Yeah. So, um, for, for the 100th episode of the podcast. <laughs> you see what I did there, Brent? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. Keep going. <laughs> uh, we we want to make this... so. We, those of you who have watched the series know that the 100th episode of Stargate SG-1 is a major uh, event for uh, Stargate. Um, it just is a great way for the show to say, this is our 100th episode. Woohoo! And um, the, the, the show's 100th episode is going to coincide with our 100th episode. And so we want to make this a woohoo type of thing. And uh-huh. so we are inviting you, dear listeners, to get on your phones or whatever device you want and just record a minute. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be a minute. It could be like two seconds. True. Well, yeah. may, may, maybe like five seconds, you know. <laughs> maybe a little more than just... I liked it. Yeah. You <laughs> Although, know, I don't know. That, uh, hey, whatever. you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, give us your thoughts on this episode. If you remember, you know, the first time you watched it and, and what happened and how you felt in that moment, tell us that story. Uh, maybe you watched it. Maybe this is what you used to introduce um, a, a friend to the series. And after that, they just had to watch the whole thing. Um, it could happen. Whatever it is. Just, it can happen. Just share your thoughts on, on this um, and, you know, right now, Brent, 
I mean, we still have several weeks. You know, we got it's the we're on episode ninety two. We got till hundred, right? So mm-hmm. we have some time before we get there. But but I, I am sad to report, Brent, that that currently we have zero audio. Clips. Oh man, come on, you guys! And, and that I mean, makes me if sad. there's if if, if there's so if there truly is like zero zero, well then whatever, we'll roll because yeah, yeah you know. that's just the way it is. But, uh, you know, you're sitting there, you're listening, and you're like, I could never do that. I don't want to do that. You can do it. You can totally, you can totally do, do it. Yes, you can. Uh, you know, you just you, pick you it could, up. You could change your name to protect yourself. You, and if yes, you say, that's right. hi, this is, is, is Jonathan, and your name is actually Alex, then, right. you know, we're going to say, hey, thanks to Jonathan for doing this, and you would be completely anonymous. That's right. I mean, you could also just be completely anonymous, too. Be like, I don't want to say oh, that, my name. That, and then you true. can disguise your voice so that you Ooh. can you get up on there, and, and this is what you do. You, 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 you purse your lips in a way that you don't normally do. And so you end up talking like this, and you yeah. can just go there, and you'd be like, so I think that the episode is fantastic for these reasons. And then you're just being silly, which protects your, you know, it protects your, it's not really you that's up there. You give yourself a mask. Yeah, that's right. It's like, it's, you know, it's like anybody can act. You just, you know, you can do it. Anybody can, you do, can it. do it. I mean, you can do it. You know, it, it, you can do it. You can do it. So, you know, you go, you, so you talk like this. That's or, right. Or, or you can spread your lips out really far like this. There you like go. This, you can do that. And that that's changes right. your voice. I'm not doing anything to my vocal cords. It's just the shape of my mouth that's making this sound. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that you can, <laughs> you can disguise who you are so that we don't know who you are. Yeah. And then it's not really you that's embarrassed. It's your alter ego that's embarrassed. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, case, yeah. uh, you are invited to join us. Absolutely, uh, you know, with this this uh, recollection of of this episode uh, as we make our hundredth episode and uh, and the seasons the series hundred hundredth episode um, exciting. And you know, mm-hmm. if what you want to say has nothing to do with the episode one hundred of Stargate SG one, but you want to talk about how we have absolutely changed your life. Oh, yeah. You could do uh, that, too. You know, hopefully I mean, for the better. You know, we'll, we'll take whatever. You know, <laughs> I once had a <laughs> I was once a very successful person until I started listening to your podcast. <laughs> and now <laughs> everything is wrong. Although <laughs> I was about to make a 2020 joke and I just can't bring myself to do it because uh, 2020 is enough of a train wreck. Um, but anyway. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So I got to. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not, not going to go there um, because that would be derail us, and we need to move on. We need to get back on track. We've been yeah. chatting, ch- chatting for almost twenty minutes on this. Like. After all, this is a Stargate. Stargate. Podcast. Stargate. Stargate. Complete garbage. Okay. <laughs> Let's the director for this episode, <laughs> The Fifth Man, is Peter DeLuise. Woo! He's. Uh, this is his second episode this season. He has eight total this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like. 57 for the whole series or something yeah, like that. I right. can't remember the exact number. The teleplay for this episode is by Joe Malozzi. Uh, Malozzi, I think he actually pronounces it Malozzi. Um, when I listened to the commentary, that's what he said. Um, okay. Um, I could have misunderstood him, and maybe he says it different ways in different situations. I don't know. I mean, it's probably so... Um you, I, I, my my last name is also easily mispronounced, and so he might just be one of those people that it looks like me, where it's like, yeah, sure. You can yeah. say Malozzi. Yeah. 
Um, and of course, Paul Mully is the other teleplay writer for this episode. It's actually pronounced Muley, but you know. Muley. Okay. <laughs> Paul Muley. <laughs> Paul Muley. Anyway, yeah. Any case. Joe Malazzi uh, and Paul Muley. Yes, yes. So this is this is their first episode this season of ah, seven. Gotcha. Uh, they've got seven credits this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're you know all over their fingers are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple of guest actors that are important to uh, note in this episode. One mm-hmm. is John Delancey, who plays Colonel Frank Simmons. He yep. was in last week's episode, and he returns this week to further solidify the vileness of his character. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we've got uh, John Delancey coming in here. And, of course, we say hello again to Dion Johnstone, who plays yeah. Lieutenant Tyler. Mm-hmm. This is Dion's sixth time on Stargate SG-1 so far. Mm-hmm. He, uh, of course, he's playing Lieutenant Tyler. He played Captain Nelson in Rules of Engagement. Yep. Uh, he played Naonak in the episodes Jolinar's Memories and The Devil You Know. Mm-hmm. Um, Naonak, of course, was um, uh, Apophis before he takes off his helmet. Yes. Um, he played uh, Stragoff 2 in the episode Foothold. Um and he played Chaka hmm. in the episode The First Ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, yep. And yep. Uh, so this is, you know, most of those times you we see him, but we don't see his face because it's all covered up. Yep. Uh, and this one, he's yet again playing another uh, alien. But in this yes. time, we get to see his face. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, he We'll see him a few more times as the series progresses. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a great actor. Um, I was doing a little bit of look on his IMDb page, and if you wanted to see something contemporary, something brand new that he's working on, look at Sweet Magnolias on Netflix. Hmm. This is a 2020 TV series that centers on three South Carolina women who are best friends since high school as they shepherd each other through the complexities of romance, career, and family. Uh Uh, So that's what Sweet Magnolias is about. And Dion has appeared in nine of those episodes as the character Eric Whitley. There Um, you go. And, uh, you know, since it's a TV Netflix show, there's like 12 episodes in season one. So that's like basically the whole show. So um, (laughs) He's in it for basically the whole thing. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I haven't seen it. I can't say any more about it. But uh, there's more of Dion in that. There you go. Um, Also... Um, one thing I learned as I was looking at his own uh, website is that he is a graphic artist. He's got several uh, pictures of you know various and sundry things that he's drawn and paintings he's painted on his website. Um, and he's also a Shakespearean actor. He did a lot of Shakespeare stuff in Canada. And in 2019, he made his Broadway debut playing the Duke of Albany in King Lear. Nice. On Broadway. So... That is what I can share with you about Dion Johnstone. Very good. This episode, The Fifth Man, aired on July 20th, 2001. Number one on the charts uh, <laughs> in the U.S. was still You Remind Me by Usher. Uh-huh. And in the U.K., they were, li- in the UK, they were listening to Eternity, The Road to Mandaplay by Robbie Williams. Oh, man. So, I mean, I know Robbie Williams, but I don't know this song. And last week, I don't know you. <laughs> last week, last week, we got it wrong. <laughs> Did we get it wrong? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we got it way wrong. <laughs> I was mixing up the episode and I was just like, wow, we couldn't have been further from the truth. Um, huh. 
This is this is interesting. This is like a double song or whatever by Robbie Williams, eh? So, uh, yeah. um So, I don't actually know Robbie Williams. I I know a Robbie Williams, but it's not this Robbie. Oh Williams. no, it's the same one. No, 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 no. This, this, is, this is a boy who uh, maybe was alive in 2001. Um, you know, I, mean, he, I guess he probably was. He, he's, he's probably like 21 or 22 right now. Uh, but he wasn't singing songs that made it to the Not, UK top charts in 2001. Do you remember? Um, so what was it? When was this? Uh, there was that. There was that French. There was that French kid. Like, he was like three or something. And uh, he had like a he had a chart topper, um, and it was it was just it was just you know it was just his parents taking advantage of him. Uh, but everybody was just like, oh my god, it's so cute, and whatever. Um, and whatever. I don't even remember what year it is. You have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. No, um, I'm just going to kind of hope that maybe somebody out there listening is like, I remember that. It was ridiculous. But anyway. Well, yeah. Um, Robbie Williams, uh, pop song, um, double thing. Uh, I, I, I have nothing. So it's playing. Right. I just, I just put it, it up right now. But, and uh, we're jamming to it. And we get yeah. to the box office for this week. Yeah. Here we go. Number one in the box office is Jurassic Park three, which is a movie that feels like it is an eternity. Um, <laughs> even though it's only about 93 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, but everybody unfair. was going through That's it together unfair. then. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it was number one this week. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, what is an eternity if not America's Sweethearts? I don't know where I'm going with that. But then, yeah, that go. was that was a stretch, but all right. You know, you know. And, you know, Legally Blonde is number three, and I don't have any way to tie this into what we're talking about, so I'm just going to leave that right there. Legally Blonde. Just hang it right there. And, you know, the number four is the score. And, of course, when you're talking about number one on the charts, that's nothing but scores. That's true. There you go. And, you know, if this were um, maybe that three-year-old who was really cute was singing like cats and dogs, but because they were three, it was cute. I don't know. I got nothing. But Cats and Dogs was the fifth one. <laughs> and across the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I made it. You did. Yeah, that's technically true. We, we are now through the box office. Yes. All right. So, now that we have uh, gotten through the box office, I'm not going to say successfully gone done it, but we've gone through there. Yep. Uh, it's time to look at what has been happening at this time in late July 2001. Yes. On the 19th of July, uh, Michael Brunette or Brunet, I don't know how you pronounce that for sure, he discovers the skull of a Sahelanthropus uh, chadensis. Wow. Well done. Uh, but that was in the uh, Jurab Desert in Chad, and it is one of the oldest known species in the human family tree. Ooh. It was six to seven million years old. Nice. Thank you, so, Brune. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, also on July 19th, the 34th annual San Diego Comic Con International opens at the San Diego Convention Center. There you go. There is a high probability that Stargate people were there. Oh, yeah. I don't know that for By this fact, point? But, but, but yeah. very likely. Very likely. Yeah, somebody was walking around like a Jaffa, yep. for sure. Um, on July 20th, the London Stock Exchange goes public. Huh. And 
Also on July 20th, in Italy, the 27th annual G8 Summit opens in Genoa. An Italian protester, uh, Carlo Giuliani, is shot by police. Yeesh. Yeesh. So, yeah. Well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Moving along. (laughs) And on July 24th, 2001... Uh, Simeon Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, the czar, uh, the last czar of Bulgaria when he was a child, is sworn in as prime minister of Bulgaria, becoming the very first monarch in history to regain political power through a democratic election to a different office. There you go. You see, it can be done. It can be. The power of the people. That's right. All right. That's where the power lies. So, um, we do have some uh, trivia for this episode. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I want to begin by noting that the Death Glider, uh, when we see the shots of the Death Glider flying around and opening up his blaster to blow things up, that is reused footage from the original movie. So, Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the, whenever the little gun thing opens up, that always looks the same every time, for yep. sure. And that's because um, it is the same time every time. It is time. the same every time for sure. But yeah, even the even the flying around part is the so, same. So eh? I, I think it's mostly just the gun opening. I don't think it's the rest of it, although it's hard to tell for sure. I'm sure. certain that if there was footage that they could have used, especially for an episode like this, that was you know that they could reuse from previous times, then they certainly did because this was a uh, visual effects heavy episode yes, with it was. Uh, our right. alien running yeah. around, and so any place that they could save money, they did, including yeah. apparently they did not get extra shrimp from the caterers this week didn't get extra shrimp nope nope i mean you know so you know one of the th- because uh, this is what what peter deloise told us he said okay. they didn't get extra shrimp this week <laughs> because they had to spend all of their money on all of these visual effects okay <laughs> i was like wait wait what what are you, where does shrimp come into this thing got it got it got it got so, it so it Craft is services is a little light Brent, this week and yeah. remember mm-hmm. this hold on to this that okay. if Peter DeLuise is ever directing an episode, probably yes. of anything, but certainly of Stargate SG-1, you can expect the unexpected because it will almost certainly happen. This man is off the wall and will all <laughs> will, will take a left turn that goes 93 degrees because it's three more than 90. Because <laughs> it's three more than 90. <laughs> Got it. I'm here for this. Yes. I am here for this. Okay. Um, so when they are in the uh, the briefing, uh, and they're talking about... Uh, um, uh, so they're like looking at the, the, the film of last time's briefing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I see you, 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 but I don't see Lieutenant Tyler. Right? That, that, that clip there, uh, that was actually from the episode Entity. Uh, so those shots mm-hmm. uh, from them around the table was from Entity, and they used that, and they, they grained that up a little bit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, so in this episode, O'Neill kills a whole ton of oh, yeah. Jaffa. I oh, mean, boy. You know, they're, they're left and right. I mean, these oh, yeah. guys have like two hit points and, and no, <laughs> no uh, you know, 
AC on oh, no armor yeah, their class AC to speak is like of, you know, low. They, yeah, exactly. yeah, they've got like a 12 AC and he's got a plus 11 to his attack <laughs> easily. <laughs> so, so when he's spraying and he's not literally hitting on every bullet, that's him rolling a one. Like, <laughs> yeah, when he's missing, it's because he just rolled a one. He fumbled. Um, yeah, but in any case. Um, at the end of this episode, if you look carefully, you can actually see um, uh, O'Neill stepping over things on the, the, the field. And if you look in the background, you can just see just a host of dead Jaffa all over by the Stargate. Mm-hmm. And apparently this was a really big deal um, in in like the dailies and such. And they're like, we can't have our here. What is this? Like all of those guys dead and blah, you know, and they're sure. just, just going crazy. Um, DeLuise calls it, he got called into the how come room. And so he says, <laughs> um, you know, the powers that be said, why did you have him step over that dead guy? And I said, it's in the script. They took care of the guards. Where were they supposed to be? Gone? Missing? And it became this big issue. Apparently, I was a bloodthirsty American director who liked dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> and of course, you know. Bloodthirsty American director who likes bodies. DeLuise is sitting there like, well, okay, they just killed like 40 dudes around the yeah. gate. Of course, there's going to be corpses there. Yes. Um, but uh, they, they kind of zoomed in on some of that footage um, to, to kind of uh, um, downplay that a little bit. But, uh, you know, it became... Uh, a whole big thing about it. Uh, Director DeLuise also says this. In this episode, O'Neill gets stranded behind enemy lines, fighting a new Jaffa faction under an unknown system lord. In this episode, we get the largest number of corpses ever in the show. O'Neill is really trying to outdo the Terminator. We kill everybody (laughs) twice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good job. Good job dying on that one over there. there. Okay. uh, Now we need you over here. All right. And action. Nope. Great death. All right. And and actually, um, when they were, uh, like, looking through their little uh, um, binocular or monocular thing uh, at at the the gate, uh, they had, like, 20 extras as guards, and they panned him over here, and then they scanned over this way, and it's the same 20 actors. I was wondering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, over there. So, when they said they killed him twice... It's true. <laughs> it's literally true. They probably killed them more than twice, but you know, uh, minimally two times. Yep. Um, and so we have that. Um, this episode uh, in other languages is basically the fifth man. Uh, the Hungarians and the Turks call it the fifth member. But, you know, it's more or less the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there you go. So it, the, 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 the titles in other languages isn't terribly exciting this week. Nope, but not, there you not, go. not really. We do have one goof that is valuable to mention here. Sure. Uh, okay. Dr. Janet Frazier states that the team's MRI scans were normal because the rayol chemical dissipated quickly. Mm-hmm. However, a standard MRI would not reveal a chemical abnormality in the brain, only structural abnormalities. Uh, okay. So it is possible that the SGC uses some type of advanced MRI spectroscopy thing, you know, which may or may not exist really, but sure. they have it. Um, however, if your brain had that large of a dark spot, that's because you have experienced some major trauma and that part of your brain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> well, no, this is my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Hence her thinking that this was a good idea. Yeah, you know, <laughs> even a PET scan 
um, which shows blood flow rather than tissue structure, uh, would not, you know, if they were, even a PET scan would show this, this would still be indicative of massive brain injury, not some chemical imbalance. Alas, (laughs) alas. Ah, But there you go. There you go. Um, So this would be a time when you just, you hear, and you just go with the plot. You just go with the plot. The plot says that, uh, that, that that's true. Therefore, it's true. It must be true. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah, let's get into this. Here we go. This time on Stargate SG-1, the team finds itself on a strange new world. Yeah. They are running toward the gate. Tilk's been hit. Jack is nowhere to be seen. Jafar are actively trying to kill them all. Sam radios her commander. Uh, they can hold the gate while he brings Lieutenant Tyler. Negative. Tyler and O'Neill are pinned down. Go through the gate to get reinforcements. Not wanting to abandon their comrades, but accepting the need for more support. Daniel, Sam, and Tilk step through the gate. Ah. <sighs> Upon arriving at the SGC, Sam calls out to the general, a need for reinforcements. Let's go back and save Lieutenant Tyler. Lieutenant Tyler's been injured, and the colonel went back for him. But surprisingly, General Hammond has never heard of Lieutenant Tyler. Oh, he's been a member of SG-1. He's been part of the team for three missions now. He's hurt, and we have to go back. Hammond reiterates that there is no Lieutenant Tyler at the SGC. And then believing them to be under some kind of alien influence, he insists that SG-1 relinquish their weapons and head to the infirmary for evaluation. After the evaluation, the three members uh, begin to wonder what's going on. Has the base been changed somehow? Are we in an alternate reality? Have we been influenced by something alien? Carter decides to do some looking through the database, but discovers that her access codes have been locked out. Fortunately, she's got computer skills that are far better than Mayborn's, although the ridiculous keyboard clicks reminds me of either Mayborn and his frozen floppy, or Scotty trying to pull up transparent (laughs) aluminum in the mid-80s. Computer. (laughs) How quaint. Okay. Uh, Back to the story. Yes. Sam finds no record of Lieutenant Tyler in the system but does discover that the mysterious user 4574 has been looking through SG-1's personnel files for several weeks. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Back on the planet, O'Neill and Tyler hide in the ruins of an old stone structure. They don't have a lot of supplies, but they should be able to make do until the rescue comes. It becomes apparent that Tyler is incompetent with a P-90. I mean, I'd be able to hold that thing better than he did. As well as a walkie-talkie. <laughs> How do I use this again? What, what, what is this? Uh, are we playing Toss the Symbiote Head? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's also symbiote. amazed that O'Neill returned for him after he got injured and that a rescue is actually coming. Hammond continues to search for answers. With a UAV in the air on 441, that's the name of the planet, by the way, 441, mm-hmm. uh, he's able to speak briefly with the colonel. O'Neill talks of Tyler's injury and hopes for rescue soon. But that's as far as things go before the UAV is shot down. It doesn't take long for a death glider to spot them on the planet, but O'Neill rolls a natural 20 on his grenade launching check, knocking yeah. the glider out in one shot. Their position has been compromised, so it's time to set up traps and raise the defenses to the best of their abilities, because the bad guys are coming. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Harriman asks if they should send another UAV, but in walks Colonel Frank Simmons, suggesting that Hammond rethink sending another one. After all, those things aren't cheap. 
Colonel Simmons reminds us of Mayborn and Kinsey all rolled up into one. Two operatives of the NID, NID trying to get their fingers into the SGC for their own nefarious plans. Well, okay, that's nefarious to us, but not to them because they're the heroes of their own stories mm-hmm. and they don't do anything nefarious. They're just doing the right thing because that's what heroes do. But we think of them as the enemies and so we think that they are nefarious. Uh-huh, stick a pin in that. Simmons begins questioning the members of SG-1. He accuses Daniel of sympathizing with the Gulabold because his former girlfriend, Sarah Gardner, has been taken by a host. He insinuates that Teal'c is still loyal to his old masters. Teal'c denies it, telling him plainly that if he were a double agent, he would not hesitate to kill Simmons right there. That kind of shuts Simmons up a little bit. Yes. While questioning Carter, the Major realizes that Simmons is in fact user 4574. At this, the interview ends immediately. In the meantime, Dr. Janet Frazier examines the clothing SG-1 wore on the mission, and she comes in contact with an alien powder. This substance gives her a brief memory of seeing Lieutenant Tyler walk through the halls of the SGC. After examining the powder, she discovers that it is similar to the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, although the chemical structure shown on her computer does not actually look anything like acetylcholine, but, you know, who cares? Who's counting? Television. Eh, television. And she concludes that this is what caused SG-1's false memories of Tyler. On the planet, Tyler confesses to O'Neill that he is in fact a Rial and that he used his natural defense mechanism to hide within SG-1. The Gould had captured him and were going to experiment on him, but he escaped and when he found the humans, he didn't know what to think of them, so he hid among them using his natural defense mechanisms. Despite this, O'Neill is still prepared to defend them both and try to save the day. Dr. Frazier reports to Hammond her findings on this powder and admits to having been contaminated by it in the process. Simmons is convinced that no one on this base can be trusted, but Hammond accepts the report and allows SG-1 to return to the planet to rescue O'Neill. On the planet, the Jaffa attack, explosion, staff blast, C4 going boom, screams, ah! <laughs> O'Neill is doing quite well, but his position is overwhelmed. With a staff weapon in his face, he expects to die. But then, Tyler shoots the Jaffa in the back. Bang! Oh, hey, look at that. He's a good guy. And then, the next j- group of Jaffa surround the two heroes. And then, Tilk shoots that Jaffa in the back. <laughs> Once again, the team is reunited. And after a brief conversation, Tilk, Sam, and Daniel accept Tyler as an ally. Huzzah! Huzzah! Their next step is to fight through the Jaffa guarding the gate. Tilk picks up a new toy in the cannon from the downed Death Glider. Tyler plays hero by trying to distract the Jaffa, opening a window for SG-1 to get to the gate. More explosions, even bigger this time. More bullets flying. The Jaffa are defeated. Death everywhere. Yes. And everyone can go home. Except for the Jaffa. Except for the Jaffa. Tyler walks through the gate to his people's colony on the other side of the galaxy. O'Neill says that maybe they could be friends. Tyler agrees to share his experience with his leaders, but who knows what will happen. SG-1 gets to return home. But the threat of Simmons looms large over the SGC. Aliens from another world are not the only enemies with which our heroes must contend. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The fifth man. Yeah. What'd you think? So after I got done watching this episode, I was thinking to myself that I believe this story shows a narrative friction when heroes are forced to engage in our real world. 
and I recognize that I'm setting that up. And then some people are like, wait, what, 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 you, what, <laughs> what is he saying? You sound like a professor, Brent. Um, I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to say. So yeah. please say it. Yes. So, uh, there is a, there is a tension and a frustration. There's the, um, I guess the Simmons story is the B story. Oh, by the way, point of order. Um, when I was writing up the synopsis last time, uh, the, the thing that I was looking at said very clearly that, uh, Colonel Frank Simmons is part of the NID. Am I supposed to not know that right now? Was that not disp- uh. or told last episode? Which is fine. I mean, th- so, the entire episode, people were like, who are you getting your orders from? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. So it made me say to myself, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to know he's NID yet. So I, I guess that's probably fair. That that you probably, uh, at the end of last week's episode, you probably wouldn't know definitively that Simmons is NID. Fine. And I even can, I can with this that. episode here, you yeah. probably don't know that definitively, but by the end of this episode, you can fairly safely assume. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's coming together. That's part of the reason why I was, whatever. When yeah. I first read that he was NID in the synopsis, I immediately thought to myself, oh, I guess I didn't pick that up. Um, yeah. And so, now it makes sense why I didn't. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is one of those... Just, things dear listeners you know lifting the curtain you know pulling it back um uh i will typically copy and paste the the uh synopsis from uh usually it's uh i can't remember one of the websites that i use i copy and paste the synopsis in Mm -hmm. here and then i use that as um a framework to kind of get the bullet points of the episode as i rewrite it um for my voice. Oh, but you and, and such. But sometimes you get things like this where somebody else yes. who wrote that uh, will add information about these characters um, that uh, is is true information, but may not be true, may not be known information Correct. in the episode. Which is um, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but it was just a moment where I was like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to know. Um but whatever. I mean, it's not like it's a big giant surprise. No. no. Uh, and when and when the reveal happens, I will I will I will appropriately go. Oh, NID. So <clears throat> anyway, getting back to there. the point. All right. Uh, and I suppose the Simmons story is the B story uh, with the Tyler story being the A story. So right. the B story was a point of deep friction and frustration. Uh, our heroes are being second guessed. Um our hero's abilities and their camaraderie and the way that the whole thing works is being scrutinized. And it's being scrutinized by this paper-pushing bureaucrat who is, a, who is a, um, a bit of a snarl face. So we don't like him. We don't like him because he's getting in our hero's way. Right. And I was, uh, as I'm watching this episode, I happen to be uh, in a point in my career life where I'm working in an organization that has just in the recent past has undergone growth and change uh, in ways that require bureaucracy in order for the things to actually work. This, the, it's just gotten too big. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't do the little things anymore the way you used to because you no longer have the person who was there for 20 years who knows the thing. It's now a new new person who's been there for three years and they're on their way out because there's some other reason, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, all those old systems don't work. So new systems are required. And um, the reason why bureaucracy exists is to keep that stuff together so that you can have the same thing happen basically 
with new rules, or sorry, with new people following the old rules, et cetera. That's why, that's why it, is, it, is, it exists. Right. It's not, by definition, something that is created purely to obstruct any individual, not least of which you, dear person who thinks that it's there to obstruct you. So we are all the superheroes in our own stories, which is why I wanted to stick a pin in that one yeah. uh, when you had mentioned it yourself. And so uh, we relate because we have been thwarted. We've been, we've all gone to the secretary of state or the department of motor vehicles and stood in that line only to end up repeating some information that should have been known or obvious, or it's like literally written on a piece of paper somewhere uh, in order to get a blah, blah, blah. And we're like, why does it have to be like this? And the answer is, is because there's millions of people that are trying to get that exact same thing happening. And there's a reason for that. It's frustrating, but it's necessary. And we don't like to see our heroes get stymied by this snarling bureaucrat who's calling them on technicalities. Like, um, you know, in his interpretation of these different events, we all know that our heroes' motives are pure and that their talents are extraordinary and that they were making the best out of bad situations for the betterment of the whole while looking at the big picture. And here comes this guy with half, well, you know, with, with all of the reported information, drawing different conclusions and causing... Uh, this friction, which is resulting in one of our one of our heroes being stranded on a planet over over yonder, and every kind of turn that they take in order to figure out how to help their friend and colleague, uh, it's being viewed as yet another manifestation of uh, something that needs to be cleaned up. And so we're really annoyed, we're really. But if you think about it. Simmons should have been calling them on every single one of these things. Yeah, we know that Carter is a hero and we view her as a hero and she is a hero. But somebody having the ability to go into a backdoor of a top secret military uh, database in order to access uh, information that, that, that that person should not access and also be able to backtrack to figure out uh, user logs in that kind of level. That's a very high, sophisticated level. And if somebody is not authorized to do that and they're able to do that, you've got a problem. Uh, there is a legitimate questioning of motivation behind a civilian who is a part of the team who has had two love interests occupied by the very enemy that they're trying to defend themselves against. Uh, that does call into question motives. It's not a slam dunk, but it doesn't necessarily look great either. Uh, and you did have a double agent. Yeah, it was mind control. <laughs> yes, we know what happened. It's a it's a story. We're there. We understand when we believe that Teal'c was being that was uh, uh, being uh, brainwashed and uh, in a state of um, uh, a state of 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 double agency that he was not intending to be in. And getting called out on it, it was humorous. Like if he was a double agent, that guy would be dead right there unless he was a smart double agent, in which case he would keep his cover. So all of these criticisms on the SGC, they stand up and we don't want them to stand up. Um, I didn't want them to stand up. I was feeling frustrated, too. Uh, they're heroes, after all. So, and that's uh, where I got to thinking. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you jump in in a second. That, that was okay. where I was thinking, like, this is an interesting little moment of storytelling where we have heroes who, by definition, are able to roll natural 20s on the regular. And this is what happens when they intersect our everyday reality. Like, bureaucracy exists for a reason. And when we put these two things together, there's a dissonance and it hurts. It's like, wait, just let our heroes be heroes for crying out loud. You were going to say. Right. So, um, 
I, I don't disagree with your analysis in the microcosm. Um, and, and this is where uh, frustration with bureaucracy occurs. Um, you're absolutely right that bureaucracy is necessary for large systems. Because without bureaucracy, you, you can't... Um, I mean, bureaucracy is designed to take the relationships out of things mm-hmm. so that uh, things can operate. Uh, so that it doesn't matter who is doing X, X is getting done. Mm-hmm. That's, the desi- that's, the, the, that's what um, bureaucracy is designed to do. Um, and if you take these, and this is where, where bureaucracy fails, and it fails necessarily because that's what it is. And this is why bureaucracy can't be the only thing that holds us together. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, when you take each of those uh, events that you just talked about individually as a microcosm of that moment, just a slice of that, you're like, whoa. Absolutely. There are some problems in there. Now, if you look at the larger picture, um, I'll look specifically at Teal'c. Um, we can tell from Teal'c's four, uh, you know, four and a half years in this organization and how he has operated that, that he has been loyal to the SGC. Oh, yeah. He's proven it yes. time and time again. And this one particular instance that you talk about, he was literally controlled by drugs. Yes. And he has gone through a rather arduous process, one that nearly killed him, to get past that. And Mm -hmm. he has gotten past that. And so when we look at the whole story of what's going on, and not just a single microcosm of things, then we see where the critique that that the bureaucracy brings uh, is one that is necessary to bring in but also one that when we look at the whole picture, we can say, ah, okay, it's good to think about this. But now, after we have thought about this, we can let it go. And we yep. can let it, you know. And here is the frustrating things for our heroes, and this is, you know, when, you know, um, and, and this is where you hear some of the nefariousness in, in Simmons, is that Simmons is holding on to these things so that he can create his own narrative. Right. And he's yes. not holding on to this thing, these things so that he can um, uh, make sure that what is happening is the best thing that can happen. He's holding on to these things to create a narrative uh, against uh, yes. this particular group of people. Uh, and this is where, this is why bureaucracy can fail so terribly, because when you take the relationships out of it, uh, then... And all you have are the data points without the relationships, then it's ridiculously easy to do this. And we are seeing this happening in real time in our politics in this country right now on all sides. Yeah. Well, we are seeing people remove relational connections and take out the points that they want to highlight and give them as negative a spin as they possibly can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, yes, my, my pause is um, what I hear you saying is that uh, the reason why Simmons's actions are nefarious is because he's using these technicalities to create uh, power behind his own predisposition. So he, as a personality, is coming in with an agenda, and he is using these findings to advance his agenda and ignoring 
other findings that would defute that would refute it and that when one takes a look at the whole picture one is much more easily persuaded that though each of these individual things represent some kind of an infraction or some kind of a rules bend or some kind of a questionable judgment uh, that the that the sum is greater than the you know that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts that 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 it uh, it actually is Simmons's personality that is um, manipulating bureaucracy for his own gain, not the SGC manipulating their own personal relationships for their own gain. Um, you know that it flying in the face of of the goals or the uh, uh, well attributes I mean, of whatever. I I would agree with that uh, as a. You know, I think that you pretty much hit where I'm going. I, I think it is certainly possible and it's worth worthy of examination of whether or not uh, the SGC is doing the same thing, for lack of a better term, in reverse. Um, you know, are they holding on to the relationships so tightly that they can't see sure. the dangers in these things? Yeah. That's a legitimate question. And mm-hmm. when you take, you know, in the best of worlds, when you take... Uh, the relational connections that we have, along with a bureaucratic system that mm-hmm. that makes sure that X happens, regardless of who is doing X, uh, when those two things can work together in concert, then you'll get the best result, where you know that uh, you've got trustworthy people who can navigate uh, challenges uh, and can deal with, you know, because life is not black and white. Life is muddy. And sometimes in that muddiness, now you're getting into my chaotic good qualities. Sure. <laughs> I'm chaotic good. <laughs> what can I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, within that, the, you got that, that give and take of things that, that's going on. Um, you know, is, is what uh, Carter did uh, when she broke into that system technically illegal? Uh, well, yes, it is. However, mm-hmm. A... Uh, Normal on a normal given date, she would have access to those files. So she didn't. She didn't find information that she wouldn't ordinarily have access to. Um, it was because her codes were blocked that she went in there. And two, everybody in the SGC knows that she's got these computer skills because she's used them before. Uh, now, now I'm not saying that there isn't danger there. I'm not saying that there there isn't. Uh, some illegalities that need to be addressed and ought to be addressed and in this episode are just kind of, you know, hand-waved over because plotline. Well, okay, yeah, stick a bit, keep going, but I want to come back um, to that idea. But, uh, you know, within that context of things, um, there there is a greater story um, that, that uh, has at least some sense of validity in the process of things. Yeah, yeah. The hand wave that I think is perfectly appropriate and we should, uh, I think that it is, uh, it happens to people who are watching the show and then like the show. And I think that it is completely fine. And it is a, it is a, it is a piece of storytelling. These folks are heroes. The end. Um, heroes are people that we root for because of reasons, whatever reasons we don't, you know, different cultures have different reasons for rooting for their heroes. Doesn't matter. These people in uh, these characters in this show are heroic. And therefore, we can take it as rote that they are acting in the interests of good, period. I am totally fine with me kind of going, you know, kind of kind of recognizing the um, the complexities 
that could exist in what would be an otherwise normal situation. You're right. Carter has these skills. You're right. She uses, she, under normal circumstances, she would have access to this Uh Let me spin a quick different story. General Hammond looks at these, uh, at his team who are spouting off something about a Lieutenant Tyler that, that didn't exist and uh, orders them in quarantine and prevents access from things and turns out the team actually is under the duress of a, of a, a nefarious power and Carter uses her computer skills to gain access to information in a way that actually hurts the SGC, right? Like in that quick little retelling, her capabilities actually do result in the harm of the friends. Now, it's not our story. These are, you know, these are our heroes. It's fine. It's 100% fine that Carter, the character, can and did get access to this stuff because she's in the right, and we know she's in the right. I mean, the, if they were doing it right, they wouldn't have given these people access to a computer in the first place. Precisely. And because of power of plot, they they had access to it. Blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. Right. Totally fine. We're not going to work. We're not going to hang our hat on that at all. No. Uh, it It's the, the, that friction, that interplay between uh, what we do for our community because they are people and what we do for our community because it is trying to get something done. The, the interconnection between human beings with, with desires and emotions balanced against the collective desire of the group to achieve X and their, their commitment to the achievement of X and, and their uh, definition of plan in order to achieve X. That's the bureaucratic kind of stuff. The him and hawing that I was doing was me personally being in a spot where uh, things are so rough that engaging people as people is causing emotional emotional burnout bad all over. And lots of people are defaulting to protectionist sort of frames of thinking that throw others under the bus. And it's very frustrating and it does not engender good communication and it doesn't result in good collaboration in the least. And part of the reason why that is happening is because we have no bureaucracy. There is nothing where we can literally all step back and go, you know what? I just can't handle this right now. However, great news. We've got the rule book. I'm going to do part A and just get part A done and hand it off. And then you can do part B and get part B done. And then when this blows over, we'll be in a better spot to talk and repair these emotions. But right now we got to get the task done. We got to achieve the goal of X. And without that rule set, we are forced to try to get it done through the old methods, which was that, you know, people and you're friends with them and you, you talk it out and you did, but Everybody's at an 11 right now. So every time that you engage with these folks, you end up just grinding the brakes completely off and it's nothing but sparks and it's extremely frustrating. So I see Simmons walking in with his agenda and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, being Mr. Bureaucrat kind of picking and choosing his facts. And I'm immediately thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> that bureaucracy isn't necessarily a bad thing by itself. I get it. In the context of this story, that person, uh, that character against our heroes, no bueno. Like, I'm there, 100%. It was that meta thing of me going, you know, why am I feeling frustrated with this? Because I'm watching the good guys try and interact with something that we typically think is annoying and bad. And so the sparks are flying. And this is and this is the story. That's the B story. We haven't even begun to talk about the A story. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, so... Yeah, that was that was it. 
let me let me close this part. Yeah. Um. By by finding your comments very fascinating about needing the bureaucracy to navigate, uh, this process because we can't handle the emotions. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not sure I agree with you on that. Brent. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't know because I, I I'd have to process that and and walk through all of that a little bit. Um, and I think part of what is happening is that we have so dehumanized others that uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, w- which which is in part uh, the result of of uh, bureaucratic systems um, and maybe we're using mm. bureaucracy in slightly different ways here and that could be a legitimate complaint yeah, but I, maybe but I maybe not I don't know I'd have I to process this again but keep, um, yeah and and so like if I if if you're not really human yeah because i have disregarded your the relational connection i have with you mm-hmm. then i can so easily call you evil and vile and worthless and then it's just half a step not even half a step before it's perfectly justifiable for me to eliminate you because you're not human and you're in the way yep and so uh i'm not certain i agree that we need to take the relationships out of things just so we can get a b and c done i do think that we are failing in our bureaucracy but i think um the uh, i don't know the 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 stepping into a bureaucratic let's get a b and c done without worrying about the relational connections i don't think is the answer um and i can't process that further at this point in time because a we running Fair. short on time yeah and i would need to do more verbalizing this through yeah there's there's a lot more to it i mean no, no i'm sorry that, that that implies something else i just mean like yeah we could talk a lot longer on this one um yeah. and interestingly i think that it is worth pondering because i you know we're 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 wanting to talk about this because it's resonating, and it's resonating because we're we're existing in a time of extraordinary friction. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and trying to make sense of. It. Yep. So, so let's shift gears. Yeah. Um, and talk about the A story for a little bit. Yeah. What'd you think of the A story? I liked it. Um, I, there's a there's a couple of plot holes in it of like, did Tyler look like Tyler to the Jaffa? Because it did seem like it was all inside SG One's head. So what did what did the Jaffa see? Um. Yep. But it kind of doesn't matter. Um, the 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 notion of deception for survival purposes was completely plausible, and the effectiveness of that ruse was also a little bit peculiar because if the if the chemical compound dissipates fast, then why? Oh, I guess the SG one team was really more interested in O'Neill getting O'Neill back. Um, well, but see here here you go is that if the chemical compound is designed to. Uh, immediately produce the emotions and feelings and memories. Yeah. Then it's done its job. And if it dissipates, well, then because of the way brains work, that oh, doesn't make the memories disappear. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. But um, and Dion Johnson's portrayal was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Stone. If I got it right, I can't remember if I said it right. Um, John Stone. Yep. And um, I mean, like, really great. And the sort of the the. Richard Dean Anderson did a great job again. Uh, you know, there was a lot in there that was just really, really just good acting and a pretty good, I mean, a good story mm-hmm. and then pretty adventuresome, right? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a big old body count for sure. But, you know, like the A story was principally like, does it, does it matter if a, um, 
uh, a scenario like the other side put to the side or right. The one where, where they went into the Nazi bunker, um, right. set that aside for a minute. Just assume a face value that this person is, uh, defenseless and is being hunted. Is it worthy to defend that person, whether or not they are a part of your team? The answer for me is that an emphatic yes. And so watching our hero defend that person, even after realizing that he has been deceived, um, felt great. Um, you know, felt felt really good. The SG one team arriving just in the nick of time was a little bit of, uh, you know, a little plot armor that was very convenient. Um, but uh, and then you know making a mess out of the Jaffa was entertaining. Uh, <laughs> uh, and th- and that was that. And you know, do will we see these uh, the Z, these aliens again? Don't know. They set it up in that way where it could, we could we could not. Doesn't matter. Um, I mean, right? Like it, it either is or it won't be. But. Um, I watched him go through the gate and I was feeling pretty great about it. Um, especially because to your point, uh, you know, at the end of the synopsis, like even though technically Simmons was the B story, like that was where the meat of this episode actually was like the A story of Tyler and O'Neill coming to realize what is actually happening was the driver and the motivator behind a lot of what was going on and the then the catalyst for these frictions that we were talking about but it was very evident that it's really that B story that's going to be coming to the fore here um one of the, the things story that, that sort of is pretty standard um and you see this in a lot of uh television of this era mm-hmm. is that you've got your A story which is usually uh, fairly encapsulated within the episode itself. Yeah. And by the time the A story is finished at the end of the episode, uh, we have wrapped that up in a nice little bow and it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the B story, the stuff that kind of happens in the background around thing that, that, that drives the, the season long arc of what's happening, you know, that, that drives the, the, the meta narrative of the entire show forward. Yeah. Um, and, and you see that in this episode here, yep. um, you know, whether we end up seeing, uh, Lieutenant Tyler again is irrelevant at this point in time. The A story when the time it's finished is, is wrapped up nicely. Um, yeah. it, it comes to a nice conclusion that you feel good about. Um, but the the B story with Simmons and whatnot sets up uh, greater potential conflict, greater opportunities for new storytelling uh, to you know within that grand scale of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So I like yeah. the A story. But so you know specifically about uh, shape shifting or you know uh, t- t- how to describe it. I don't know yeah, so- intoxicating aliens. I don't know. <laughs> So there, there, there is sort of a, a uh, uh, you know, so he's kind of like a chameleon, the real, right. kind of like a chameleon, but whereas a chameleon changes its own body to hide within its environment, uh, the real have the capacity to change other things' perception of it to hide in its space, which yeah. is really fascinating, um, uh, you know, and how that, that, that plays into things. Um, Definitely, you could see why the Gould would want this type of power. This is, yes. you know, this is, you know, next level stuff. Yes. Um, um, you know, we, it, you know, it, it could have been a situation where this was a, a very 
uh, bad alien, but we find out yeah. fairly early and quickly on that it happens to be that this is an alien who is, you know, uh, reasonably good that we can maintain our sense of, you know, connections to our relational connection to him, mm-hmm. uh, such to the point where when he says, wait a second, you're willing to die for me i can't have this 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 you know that's not what this was about this was just you know trying to keep me safe for a few more minutes but now you're going to you know we can't have this and so he's like uh here this is who i really am this is what he really looked like and yeah. and then o'neill's like whoa okay fine can can i still call you tyler <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know, so what, um, what's your name um yeah Tyler. Um, and, and so moving on um i liked the a story a lot um there, there's a lot of points that that I look at this. And I'm like, uh, well, that's interesting because if if things were as bad as they were and they needed reinforcements before, they certainly need reinforcements now. And it's just SG one that goes back to the gate to the planet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, huh. I mean, I, I totally get that that you know you're paying for a whole lot of things and it's hard to pay for more actors, but. Um, you know, I mean, if if SG one goes back to the SGC and says we need reinforcements, and then there's a 24 hour delay before they get to go back to the planet, and they don't bring mm-hmm. any reinforcements, mm-hmm. interesting. They brought um, more weapon. They brought more ammo. Oh well, you know, well you know that that's fair. That's all I really need is just <laughs> more more, just more weapons, just more ammo. Yeah. Uh, the, um, a story had a lot of plot holes for sure. Yeah. Um. I also found it really interesting i mean this is a a visual effects uh hole for me uh you know when when they they have uh tyler running in his alien form through the trees and then he gets tackled by a jaffa which actually you know for for 2001 uh television vfx then you know i'm like hey that's pretty good um, would it hold up today? No. Um, but I've seen things today that work, look worse. <laughs> yes. Yes, me too. Um, <laughs> uh, but when they're now walking down the path and he's clearly a prisoner, he looks like Lieutenant Tyler again. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. That, yeah. That, that, there's something um, plot hole inconsistent there. Uh, but, you know, I'm totally willing to let that slide yep. in favor of uh, the story. Um you know the it, it it's really all about relationship hey <laughs> the relationship and yes. the development of uh you know o'neill and tyler's connection um through this uh time of uh, great adversity and challenge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you know here i guess to bring back to the point that i maybe was alluding to before uh i think that it is in it is within the context of mutual relationship that the greatest uh, good can happen. And I, I use that phrase, greatest good, very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe ill-advisedly, I'd have to think about that. Um, but, you know, you have, uh, I mean, you know, Tyler and O'Neill's relationship begins with Tyler lying straight up with everything about yep. who he is. Yep, that's right. Uh, and yet, over the course of things, there is... Uh, a connection that is made and you know Tyler reveals himself and admits what's going on um, and you know the question do, does need to be asked um, you know is O'Neill's willingness to support uh, Tyler after that fact because he still thinks of him as Tyler or because O'Neill is a great guy and I think 
I think it has more to do with the fact that this is who O'Neill is. Yes, um, agreed. And O'Neill recognizes that this this creature is uh, something, uh, you know, worthy of of uh, help and assistance and protection. Um, and uh, and I think this is one of the things that that Simmons refuses to bring to the table. Is he willing to look at the uh, greater, uh, the bigger picture? And I mean, if if you look at his slice of it. And, and Simmons has other major issues that also play into this. But he looks at his tiny little slice of this and says, ah, bad, and we can't trust him. Mm-hmm. But O'Neill is looking at not just the tiny slice of, oh, my gosh, this guy lied to me, but looking at the entire story and is seeing something bigger and more valuable and relationships are built and trust is, is fostered. So there's my connection between the A and B story. Yeah. And I had no idea that that was the connection until just now. And I don't even know if that was intentional. But uh, the the uh, intentional for the story writers? Probably the writers. not. Probably, Probably not. Um, but that's the best part about good stories. Yes. We can, you, can, you can draw them into your t- current time and get new meanings from it and get new insights and understandings because what you're really talking about are people being people. Yep. And how do, and how do people be? Absolutely. Nice. Cool. So, um, do you have anything more to add? Uh, yeah, three more hours worth, but no, we're going <laughs> to, this is a good spot to, <laughs> this is a good spot to stop it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well then, uh, I will ask you how many chevrons yeah, does yeah. the fifth man get? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you know, on the face of it, after the end of it, I was feeling more positive than negative about it, but it was still kind of in that middle zone. Um, this conversation was really good. Uh, I tend to give higher ratings when the, sh- when the conversations are really good. Um, there, there was, I mean, I was mentioned that there were a good number of plot holes in the A story. And that's true. I mean, there's just parts of it that were like, wait a minute, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or why is it that way? Um, but I was much more invested in sort of exploring this sort of emotional journey that I was taking and watching the whole thing kind of transpire especially mm-hmm. because of what's going on personally with me. It, you know, like there was a lot that I was kind of brewing on and it felt really good. And then this conversation helped it too. I'm going to give, mm, okay, I'm going to give this one a five out of seven. But like, you know, for a half beat, I was like, is this a six? Like, no, it's not. Um, but yeah, five. Um, the story was fine. It was good. It, it prompted a bunch of good conversation and it moved that B story thing forward. I'm interested in seeing how this thing's going to resolve. It's good. going to be good. Um, was it gangbusters like on its own? No, nah. um, but it was fun. I liked it. So five. Yeah. What about you? So um, I was trying to figure out where to place this episode. And I think that uh, I agree with you that, that my appreciation of this story has grown in the last hour that we've been talking about it. Yeah. Um, and and it, that has to reflect in my Chevron rating um, because, you know, I mean, up until this point, I hadn't done a lot of thinking about this episode, and it was just sort of an episode that had an A and a B story and all of this stuff, and there was cool yep. explosions and an alien and, yes. and all sorts of stuff, and <laughs> and you know, um, you know, it, it it's not mind blowing by itself, right. and yet there's a lot of stuff that's valuable to uh, chew on, and and you know, if if the topics and the things. Uh, brought to the table 
for examination in a storyline from 20 years ago is still relevant today, mm-hmm. then that means there's something valuable in that story. So when it's all said and done, I think that uh, I'm going to agree with you and say that this is a five episode. Sure. Um, uh, I don't think that I would go higher than a five at this point in time. Right. And uh, so we'll go with five. So, and I can, I can respect if people are like, this is like a two. Well, no, not. I might have. Uh, you know, if but. you said two, I would think that, well, you know, that you're really digging into those plot holes and just hanging yes. on to that. Yes. Um, which, okay. Um, you know, which so it's possible. It, it's possible. Anyway, we have predictions. Yay! So, I'm excited. Would you like to start with Facebook or would you like to start with emails? I'll what let do you, you have choose. open? Do you have them both? I, well, I, I have a couple of emails and I <laughs> okay, have. Fine. Let's start Some with Facebook, Facebook stuff. Let's I haven't Facebook. actually looked at any of this stuff, Brent. Oh. I don't until right now. Okay, this very second. You're going to go to Facebook. All right, I'm going to Facebook. So I was actually pretty good about getting this posted last night. Hey, I'm impressed nice. with myself. So, <laughs> and, well and I done. even said so. I was like, no, this isn't an oblique call for help. I'm just getting this promo out earlier as I should. <laughs> oblique call for help. <laughs> All right. So, Evan says this. Hi, Evan. This episode reminds me of Fire and Water in three ways. Do you remember Fire and Water? Vaguely. So, that was the one when Daniel gets uh, trapped in another yes. planet with an yes. alien who's looking for Omaroka, and they think he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a first ago. season fish, fish dude. Yeah, fish yeah, yeah. Dude. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so... Evan says, this episode reminds me of fire and water in three ways. The entire mm-hmm. team has their memory slash perception altered. Right. One of the team members is left behind. Yes. And it introduces a unique alien species that is never seen again. Oh, well, there's the answer to that one. <laughs> I'm going to hold on hope. In the same way that I don't yet know that Simmons is part of an ID, I'm going to imagine that the real are going to come back. Great. Carrying on. All right. Um, he says, uh, unlike fire and water, it does have consequences for later story developments. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, my, uh, Tim then responds to Evan says, there's another difference. This one is actually good. And fire and water is awful. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds a lot. David responds to Tim (laughs) and says, good. That's debatable. So there's a hint on David's uh, predictions. We'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, this is great. All right. So. Uh, Did Evan give us a prediction or no? He didn't Just actually kinda... say okay, that's uh, fine. specific numbers there. Uh, yeah, at least no not worries. there. Maybe later on. Julie says. Hi, Julie. This one should get some discussions going and rank higher than last week. Six for everybody. It, yeah, no, yes, yep, yep, discussion. Yep, okay. And yeah, it did generate positive vibes, but not quite. Sick. Yep. Uh, Tim. Says, Hi, so Tim. this is Tim's own uh, uh, responses here. Says, mm-hmm. I like this episode a fair bit. For myself, I would guess, I, for myself, I would guess a six. But my mm-hmm. guess for you is six for Zach and a five for Brent. Very, very, very close. Very, very, well very done. close. Well done, Tim. All right. Here we go. We have Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Good character moments. Good setup for threads later on. It's okay. a shame, uh, well, it's already been, it's a shame we never meet the Rayal species again, at least in person. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if, if I had read that far enough ahead in Evans, I probably would have, you know, uh, 
kept it's my mouth good. shut a little bit. It's all but, good. It's fine. It's a know, television anyway, show. It's fine. So, it's 20 years old. Yeah, that, I that, that I remain spoiler free <laughs> is kind of a miracle. All right. I know. So, you know. <laughs> yep. Okay. So Kimberly then says her prediction is Brent will give this episode five chevrons. Yes. And Zach will give this episode out of seven chevrons. Yes. A five! <gasps> Kimberly, you got Kimberly, congratulations! You have gotten it correct. You got the two. <laughs> yeah, right. you got the you you, you so, win the big prize. So once again, I call for somebody out there who has extra time <laughs> on their hands and <laughs> desire to help us out is to figure out. Um, uh, who I mean, got it exactly right? What Ryan? I would love yeah. to see is, you know, I don't need a spreadsheet with everybody's answers to everything, although that would be cool, but I would just love to see who got it perfectly right. Um, and, 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 you know, that would just be fun. So that would be fun. If you want to do that, go right ahead and do that. Justin yep. says. Hi, Justin. I never knew 441 before the Jaffa with its stone ruins, its glamour and Canadian charm. <laughs> the SJC suited me better. <laughs> I really got to know it with Jack and Tyler. They'd run if someone was chasing them, if the Jaffa wanted them bad enough. Of course, a situation like that does tempt stuntmen. <laughs> but, well, you know, they can't make it through the defenses like SG-1 reinforcements. So, now, the story is divided into four zones, you know, each occupied by a power. Colonel Simmons, General Hammond, Dr. Fraser, and the French. Uh, but the center of the plot, like, that's Minnesota protected by Jack and General Hammond with his phone. Wonderful. What a mm -hmm. hope they had. All lately clued into the mystery, and none of them could pronounce Kekagugal. <laughs> Except a sort of uh, smattering of Tyler. Good story on the whole. Simmons did his worst. The SGC doesn't look any worse than any other mission. Reset almost to zero. Oh, I was going to tell you, wait, I was going to tell you about Jack O'Neill, an American, uh, came all the way here to save a friend of his. The name was Tyler, Lieutenant Tyler. Now, Tyler was wounded and Jack was hiding him somewhere, I don't know, in a nondescript ruin. Anyway, there was a, there he was, poor chap, happy to protect a fellow sentient. After all of that... <laughs> Before I get to uh, Justin's Chevron predictions for us, David yes. responds, Justin, what did I just read? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the ramblings of a, of, a, of a mad genius is what you just read. <laughs> sure. Uh, so Justin's predictions are Brent 7, Zach 7. Really? Um, I so, might have to jump onto Facebook to reread that. To, to, huh. Super, super high ratings. Interesting. All right. Here we go. My, Austin my says. Hi, Austin. Ugh! I had Ugh. to erase most of my comments because I did not want to give any spoilers, but suffice it to say, this is a world-building episode in a manner of speaking. I really like these unique episodes, although they don't f at first seem to add to the overall plot, uh, just like okay. a matter of time. Austin uh -huh. really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, la dee da, buddy. You're probably going to get your wish here in a minute. Austin uh. predicts that, Brent, you will give this episode five out of yes. seven chevrons. Yes. And he predicts that I will give this 5.5 <gasps> out of seven chevrons. So, so close. close. So close. 
Excellent prediction, though. Well done there. Uh, Okay. Ah, And we got one more here from JD. Hi, JD. JD says, I really like this one, and I think the boys enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I guess we're the boys. Yes, we are. Let's go with a four from Zach and a five from Brent. Zach will like the character work, and Brent will like the story. You pretty close. Yep. Yes. You know what, JD? You got, you know, you got really close to us. You know, you're not like exactly opposite of what we said. So this is awesome. Wonderful. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is a momentous day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And now we have some emails. Yeah. Uh, One of these emails is not like the other. One of these emails just doesn't belong. So, well, maybe it's, maybe it's just David's email. Okay, okay, it looks like it's just David the Chevron encoding. Ah, uh, who cares? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, David says, this episode is a meh at best. Nothing okay. of consequence happens. The Jaffa continue to be poor shots. And yes. in the end, we are no further along with the Stargate narrative than we were before this episode. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that, but... But I think I see what he's saying. Yep. Okay. Not every episode needs to be part of the mythology of the show, and I have no problems with the standalone episodes. It's just that this one is forgettable. Trust me, the end of season five, at the end of season five, you'll have a hard time remembering that this episode exists. You'll be like General Hammond and ask, uh, which one was the fifth man? Uh Uh-huh. And yes, I know know that... The thing in a later episode that ties back to the thing in this one, but only because I read about it. It's a weak connection, and if you never saw this one and would not be missing out on anything in that future episode. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I say that like I know what he's talking about, but no. I know what he's talking about in principle, though. Uh, I I know exactly what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say, based on what I learned in the commentary, at least from a non-narrative perspective, that would not have happened without this, David. Y'all have your little secret code, decoder ring. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll give you a magic <laughs> ring in a season or so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> All right, Brent. Yes. A generous three chevrons for the idea that this alien race exists and can do that thing they do. Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, fair. yeah. Yep, I, it bumped up a couple more just because of the discussion. But yeah, that's exactly kind of where I was going to start from. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. And then he says, Zach, three chevrons as well, because while not great, it's better than no Stargate at all. Uh, that, I suppose that's true. Well, you know, that, that's true. It is, you know, you know. It's better than nothing. Um, honestly, I, I know, David, and, and you're going to probably throw things at me, but I know that this <laughs> episode of ours increased my rating Um and honestly, I don't have a concrete number as to what my rating would have been prior to the conversation that we have, because I tend to think about this in the spur of the moment. Sure. Um, not always, but often. Um, but I am also fairly certain that whatever that pre-our uh, episode 92 uh, Chevron rating was for this episode, it would have been probably higher than a three. So, I don't know. C'est la vie. So, whatever. Those are our predictions. I love them. I love this stuff. So... Um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay. And I think that is all for our predictions. Now, Brent, mm-hmm. our next episode of Stargate SG-1, season five, episode five. Yes. Is not the it, fifth man. It's not the fifth man. Right. 
Because, see, you realize that the fifth man was actually not a member of the team, and so they had to meta that by putting it on the fourth episode oh, of the season. Oh, that's why he never really was the fifth. Yes. I see. See? Uh-huh. You see? see? You see? You see? Yeah. Yep. yep. All right. So this episode, the actual yes. fifth episode of the season, of the fifth season. Yes. Is called Red Sky. Red Sky. Okay. And I ask you, what is Red Sky all about? All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. A world that is predominantly an ocean. The gate happens to be on a small, near a dock, where they are swiftly greeted by a group of people that are very happy to see them. It appears that this Stargate is in active use and that travelers from far worlds are regular occurrences. This is good news. Because these people feel like they know a thing or two about the current situation. The team gathers and learns information. Nothing much is gained at this particular point, but the conversations have literally just started. They get into a boat and they sail off to a particular island. They have a feast and people. The day is growing long and the sun is beginning to set. Uh, they decide to hang out there overnight. I don't know why. Whatever. Just roll with me. In the morning. Right there with you. Up, right there with you. They wake up. And they look out in the sky, and the sky is red. And everyone around them goes, Red sky in the morning. Sailors take warning. And that's tense. And I have nowhere else to go with this one. Join us and figure out where I'm going with this one next time on Stargate SG-1 Red Sky. So, uh, is there going to be a bunch of boats in this one? Hmm. Um... Maybe a storm? Um, shall we watch the promo? <laughs> you, <laughs> you literally said zero. Yeah, okay, let's figure out if there's boats or storms in this episode. So I haven't actually watched uh, David's promo yet, so uh-huh. I'm new to this. And I was just, before I say anything else, uh, yes. I'm curious as to what uh, the promo will say. Okay, all right, fine. Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. <laughs> Uh, I am ready to go as well. I'm hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Hey! You. The SG-1 like the team receives a warm greeting Hello. on a new world. Come forth! It is a time for rejoicing. Okay. Prayer has sent us visitors from Midgard. But not everyone is happy to see them. You must forgive Malchus. He has a suspicious nature. We have never before been visited by elves. By elves? Elves. But on this strange world, the SG-1 team may have brought destruction. Uh-oh. It's no coincidence that this happens moments after they arrive. The elves are the harbingers of our doom. Is the elves Ragnarok. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. All right. Ooh, hey! Is that Thor? Maybe. With technology that is advanced beyond your knowledge. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. So there's no storms and no sailboats, which is unfortunate, but you know, you can't have everything. But there are uh, Norse people. Yep. That's true. They're, you know, a, a version of Vikings. Vikings have boats, but you don't see the boats here. So, you know, you're kind of close. You know, you, you did get right that they go to a strange world and they find people that are friendly. 
I, that's very true. And they do seem like they hung out overnight yep. at some point. Um, and and they they looked up into the sky and they saw that it was red. So you got that and part right. And they took warning. And I, they I did take warning. On. So, you know, you... I was... I, it was excellent. excellent. I made an excellent prediction. It just was off in a couple of core ways. That's that's it. Yep, absolutely. That That's right. <laughs> I'm so, looking forward to seeing it, though. Yeah. So, uh, again, special thanks to David for putting those yes, promos you, for us together. Um, and uh, tell us what you think, then, about uh, this episode, about uh, some of the things that we talked about with the B story and the A story here. Tell us uh, where you agree with David, that it was an awful episode. Tell us where you agree with Justin, when it was, like, the epitome of Stargate. Tell us Just if about. you think that we got it right, that we, like, split the middle right between those two guys. Tell us whatever. Uh, email us, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. Yep. Uh, do it. And, uh, you know, join us on Patreon, if you wish. Yeah. Gonna be a good time. This is good stuff. So uh, with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. This has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.